this time they're going to come on our campus, have a chance to experience God's grace and love here. And what's awesome is there's going to be 300 bags that go out, and in that bag is the gospel. And it's going to go right back into their homes, and you never know where what's going to happen when the gospel's there. We're going to present the gospel in different and unique ways. And then another cool thing is, I found out that cable TV is not playing. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. So how perfect is it that we're showing it right here on campus? So it's like a little perfect opportunity. And uh, like I said, man, there's so many opportunities, so many challenges. We've been struggling through 2020, right? But I believe that we need to finish 2020 strong. We need to finish strong in Jesus' name. We need to, yeah, it's been a tough year, but uh, we keep saying, oh, it's going to get worse. No, let's turn it, let's turn the corner. That's why Operation Christmas Child is something that I'm stoked about, because we get to finish strong. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a, a year where our hope has been challenged, but I don't know about you, but I, I ain't been hopeless, because I got Jesus, and as long as I got Jesus, I got hope. So I ain't hopeless. 2020 wasn't hopeless for me. It's not hopeless for you. It's not hopeless for us. And we need to quit walking around like it's hopeless. hopeless. Forget all that. Jesus got your back. Come on. Jesus got the devil in a chokehold and we're acting like we're losing. Come on, man. He's going to put him to sleep. And we're acting like we ain't got hit. It sounds like the church is falling asleep. We got to wake up. Come on, man. This is a chance for us to make a difference in our world. 2020, finish strong. Get, get, put some hope in a box and send it. I got good news of great joy. That's what the Bible says. But we walking around like 2020 done took everything that belonged to us that was precious. Now about you, it might have taken a lot of things, but it didn't take my Jesus and it didn't take my joy. Come on now, we got to get excited about something. So we can't walk around, oh, well, it's going to get worse. The winter time's coming and yada yada. Man, come on. We got Jesus. Jesus could come today. We might not even have to finish this year. But if he doesn't, let's get ready. Let's do something. I want to be busy when he comes back. The Bible says I'm supposed to work while it is day for the night comes when no man can work. But it's time to work. Let's do this thing. So as we get to this, this, uh, this uh, third message in our series, one of the things to say, well, I, I came out of the blocks preaching the announcements, because listen, you got to preach the announcements. you got to tell people, announcements aren't just announcements. This is what God's doing. God wants to do, and he needs you to do it. But if I get up here and say, well, guys, we got this following thing. It's going to be, going to show a movie, and it's going to be awesome, and you guys get candy. I don't want to come, even I don't want to come to that. But if you tell me I'm going to be able to change 300 families' lives, count me in. I'll help park. I'll help whatever you need me to do. You know, count me in. We come up here, well, we got this if you feel like it. No, do it. We're called to do something. And that's what today is about. It's about living truly counterculturally. It's right now, it's the appropriate thing to do is to just walk around with your head down, moping like we're all walking around with a big old dark cloud and lightning all over us. It's time for us to change, you know? And some of us think, oh yeah, Pastor Mike, he's all happy and nothing going on in his life. My mother-in-law's in the hospital right now. She's in the hospital. She's been in the hospital for the last few days and she's had a, a couple bad bad 
couple days. My wife, uh, she may be able to be here. She may have to go up there uh, because my, mom, my mother-in-law hasn't been doing well. But it didn't stole her joy. She still has joy in the hospital. We still have joy in our hearts. So I'm not just up here preaching from some happy-go-lucky, hey, look at Pastor Mike. I got struggles in my family and in my life too, but I'm not going to let that steal my joy. You see, happiness is based on happenings. Oh, this happened, so I'm not happy. This happened, so I am happy. But joy is the inner animation of the soul, and it comes from God. That's truly countercultural. So just so we're clear here, I'm not up here preaching from some happy place. I'm preaching from a place of struggle, but I got joy because my Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's my mother-in-law's strength, it's my wife's strength, it's our family's strength, and we got to be countercultural. People are watching us. They want to know, do you really believe that Jesus defeated death? Does Jesus really have the devil in a chokehold or is it reverse? And listen, the devil can't even take a hold of Jesus. He ain't a god. He's a fallen angel. There's only one god, church. One god. And I don't know if you know this or not, but my Bible tells me that my God does not play well with other gods. If you leave your God and my God alone, your God's going to have no head and no hands when you come back. That's the biblical, that's what happened to Dagon. They left him alone, came back, Dagon's head and hands were missing. You cannot leave my God with your God and think you win. It's just not the way it is. It's countercultural. So, so as we as people are supposed to be wise as serpents but harmless as doves, that's what we're supposed to do, shrewd. We're called to those things. We're called to call people inside and outside the church to a relationship with God, and we're called to call people to repentance. And sometimes I think we got to repent for our attitudes. Sometimes I think we gotta, we, we got to remind ourselves that you're going to face adversity. When you're living counterculturally, you can expect hostility. You're going to have hostility from friendly fire within your own fellowship, within your own family. You need to understand that we got to act with gentleness and respect and model biblical examples. Bring correction where correction is needed. Bring love where love is needed. But in all things, constantly remind ourselves that we are called to live outside of the culture. What does it mean to be countercultural? It means a way of life and a set of attitudes. Everybody say attitudes that are opposed to or in disagreement with the prevailing social norm. That means you and I, church, we have got to be opposed to the prevailing social norms. And right now, that's what's happening. You want to know what counterculture looks like? In 2020, say you really believe in Jesus. In 2020, say you really believe that the Bible truly is God's word and find out how quickly people will turn on you. That's counterculture. Any Bible believing, Jesus loving person is going to face adversity and hostility just simply because you believe the Bible is true. So Peter comes along and he writes this letter and, and he tells us, he lays out in our text the things that we're called to. Now I want you to know that when the Bible uses the word called, it's actually saying you were called out from. 
Did you know that you and I were called out from the world? Did you know that you and I were called out from their culture? We were called out from their culture. That's what the Bible says. The Bible means that we were set apart for. When you're called, you are set apart for. And so, so you and I have got to know that we have been called to these things and called from these things. And if you, if you say that you're called by God, meaning that God called you out, you gave your heart to Christ, your life has been changed, then you cannot behave the same way because you were called out from that. And so we start to understand. So here's the countercultural behavior. When somebody insults you, we have to resist insulting them. And show them the evidence that we have that we, are, we believe in something better than. It's going to catch people's attention. If you and I are behaving the same way the world behaves, nobody can tell the difference. You say, I've been called out from, and then you behave just like them. And they say, I see no difference between you and them. You are them. So this is what Peter says. He says, finally, all of you. Did he say some of you? Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not. Everybody say, do not. not. I want to be very clear. Do not means don't. Okay, that's just, that's the, that is the Greek. Do not actually means do not in the Bible. It's not new 2020 didn't change it to do. It's still do not. Now listen to these words and then we're going to find out, especially with an election coming. Oh, Jesus, help us all. Woo! Oh, this is going to preach all day. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary... Let's let that set for a minute. Let it set for a minute. We're not supposed to repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but I've seen some revilers up in the house. I didn't say revivalers. I said revilers. It says bless, for this is what you were called. This is. You were called to do. Bless. You were called out from reviling. You were called out from repaying evil for evil. You were set apart to do something different. You have been called to be a blessing so that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Not just seek peace, but to Okay, the church is listening this morning. I'm all right now. I feel better because we're supposed to pursue that, which means when you pursue something, you're hunting it. You're looking for it. Your eyes are on it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Ooh. For the 
eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to a prayer. Sometimes we wonder why God didn't listen because you're speaking a language that he doesn't like. Oh, we don't like this pastor no more. We got to go somewhere where he just says, God just, just accepts everything and just you can do whatever you want. Everybody goes to heaven. But the face of the Lord is against. Oh, wait. I got to go home now. Because he just said the Lord's against me. The Lord's against me. Let me pick it back up. On <sighs> against those who. Oh, good news. Against those who do evil. So if you ain't doing evil, guess who the Lord's for? But if you're doing evil, guess who he's against? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And if then in the Bible, again? You know, I, this word will preach itself all day long if you let it. Right? But here's the problem. We only have ears to hear what we want to hear. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if, everybody say, even if. Amen. Now see, this is, what I love about, this is what I love about the Word of God. It's real. He said, who's there to harm you if you do good? But even if they do, look at this. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be what? Even if you suffer, you will be what? Blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Come on, church. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to give a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Everybody say, it's in me. It's in me. This is the hope that God's talking about. The hope that God has. Your hope carriers. You and I are hope carriers. The hope that's in us. Woo! Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience. So that, so that when, not if, when you are slandered. Did it say when? Because I, I didn't see the if in there. I saw the when. When you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. How are they going to get put to shame if you're reviling and they're reviling? There ain't no way. But when they're put to shame because somebody says, wait a second, there's something different here. This is what the word of God says. This is counterculture. And guys, I read the word of God like this because this is the word of God. It's living. It's active. It's here. It's for you. It's for me. And God has called us to these things. But we must know the word and live the word, understand the world, and, and be called out from the world and live the word. When you understand the world and you understand the word, you can tell the difference. See, this is what God has called us to. So see, when you and I, when we're living out our convictions, our character and our attitude have a profound impact 
how or if our message is received. Did you hear that? When we are living out our convictions, our character and attitude have a profound impact how or if our message is received. You see, some people may know you go to church. They may not know you are the church. Right? You may carry a Bible. They want to know, are you living the Bible? See, this, this is where it happens because it's your character and your attitude that determines if your message is received. See, this is what God has called us to. And so you and I have got to decide, do I want to be effective, do I want to be effective in my household? Then husbands, wives, your spouse needs to see your character and your attitude because it will have a profound impact on the message you have in your household. Parents, your character and your attitude matters on if your children receive the message that you've been preaching or the message that you've been living and I hope they match. Co-workers, this goes on and on and on and on. The good news is it's not too late. Everybody say, it's not too late. I can start today. I can start today. See, you and I, we always regret. And man, that song that we sang, it was everything in me not to have us sing that part, that part again. Where it said, and I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves me. The Bible tells us that, that the Satan is constantly accusing us. He's an accuser of the brethren. He accuses you to you and you to other people. And you and I, we don't have time to maintain these regrets when we think about the way that he loves us. It should be reflected in our character and our attitude. And if that message is received... So how are we called to, to truly live counterculturally? The first answer is real simple. We're called to not repay evil with evil. We're called to be a blessing. And that means even to your enemies. That means even to your enemies. If you get a report that your enemy's sick and you celebrate, that's not godly. If you get a report that, that, that something happens to your enemy, maybe their business fails or something, that, and you celebrate, that's not godly. If you get a report that your enemy is doing well and you curse them, that's not God's intention. You see, Peter, he says we're supposed to treat one another with compassion, sympathy, not repaying evil with evil, but instead being a blessing. Our ability to engage well inside and outside the church starts inside. Our interactions between one another. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be watching. I'm your pastor. I'll be watching. Because you see... There's an election coming in how many days? 10, 11, 9 days, something like that. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching. But who cares if I'm watching? But he is. And he's going to watch your attitude. If your candidate doesn't win, if you don't realize that Jesus 
he's your candidate. You start reviling? You start spewing evil? God's watching. And so is everybody else that you have declared Christ to. And they're going to say, wow. Wow. And I thought that God loved everybody. But it turns out he only loves this group or that group. Quiet in the church house. I've watched as brothers and sisters have crushed one another's spirits over an election. I don't understand it. I don't. We're God's people. I'm not saying don't stand. I'm not saying don't vote. You do whatever you need to do. I'm just saying, my goodness, do we need to sacrifice the true and real relationships that we have with God and each other over something foolish? If we're harsh and unkind and vindictive with other Christians, how will we persuade other people? You should be a part of our hateful fellowship. Come here, we'll hate you. Come on in, we'll treat you like family. We'll treat you bad. It's true. Trust me. God knows. That's why I use the that's why I use the illustration, my brother. It's true. Come on in. We treat our guests better than our family. Nobody wants to be a part of a church where people are fighting and hating each other over something silly, over something that's going to last four years or less, and we're talking about eternity? How are we going to persuade anybody? I'm not saying that you can't can't go through the process and you can be godly and do whatever you want you can be godly and represent that i'm i'm just saying my goodness are we going to lose our testimony over are we going to lose our church over this are we going to divide the church and lose our fellowship and our effectiveness over something that is so temporal during the civil rights movement Many Americans were inspired by, inspired by Dr. MLK Jr. I think we'd all agree with that. He engaged in nonviolent demonstrations and it had a profound effect in the face of violence that you and I have not seen since that time. The violence and hate that was perpetrated has not been seen since that time. There was a march the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. We know it in American history as Bloody Sunday. It was broadcast into homes around the nation. And people 
the American people were forced to reckon with what we were seeing. Namely, the powerful witness of not repaying evil for evil. Americans witnessed true countercultural behavior, and you know what it brought about? True lasting change. Do you know why? It was because it exposed evil for what evil was. If you had two groups clashing, two groups with clubs and two groups with dogs and two groups with those things, no one would have been able to tell the difference. It would have looked like a rebellion. But instead, the world opened their eyes and said, something is wrong. There is something different. This is not who we are or who we can support. And it brought about true lasting change. Why would someone want to become a, belie- be, be, become a believer if you're violent and vindictive and evil towards one another? The cross, the cross, the cross, it causes us, it forces us to look at our lives spiritually It forces us to look at the awfulness of our condition and then decide, do we want to stay there or do we want to be different? See, this is is the truth. We were called out from violence. We were called out from uh, uh, revenge. We were called to something different. This is what I want you to know. We are called not to be afraid or to let evildoers trouble us. Why are we letting these evildoers trouble us? Jesus got them in a chokehold. And we're over here acting like they're troubling us. They're, they're ready to tap. And they're trying to, we're going to tap from watch from outside the cage watching. Why are we going to tap out on our faith? Why are we going to quit? The Bible says in verse 14, it tells us, don't let them trouble you. Don't let them trouble you. Peter urges us, don't be afraid. Instead, in your hearts. Everybody say, in my heart. In my heart. Jesus is Lord. See, when Jesus is Lord in your heart, you don't worry about the troubler. You don't worry about the, 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 the evildoers. When we have a proper understanding of God, we have a reason to have a hope that goes beyond this life and into the next. It allows us to speak without fear. It allows me to stand in this pulpit and preach the truth whether people like it or not. It it allows me to stand firm in my convictions and to lead this church where where we want to go. Whether I got to drag you kicking and screaming or not, we're going. I want us to have a testimony outside these walls. I want people when they hear the name of the church, they think it's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus and it's always going to be about Jesus. It allows us to speak as if Jesus has defeated Satan, sin, and death because guess what? Jesus has defeated Satan, sin, and death. The Bible tells me that he has destroyed the works of the devil. That's what the Bible tells me. We're acting like the devil won. He ain't won. He ain't won nothing. 
The only thing he wants is that losing. We must not be afraid. You know what Jesus said about this? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, he said, We must not be afraid of those who can kill the body, uh, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. We walk around with no fear of God, but we let evildoers trouble us. And we shake our fists at God. How dare us to call God into question? The God who spoke and out of nothing made everything? The God who sent his very own son to pay for our sin and we shake our fist and call him into question as if he has to give us an answer? You better fall on your face. You read the wrong Bible. You better fall on your face. If I'm afraid of anybody, I fear God. And it's a holy fear. Ultimately, we can't fear man. We can't fear Satan, but we revere God. And you know why? That gives us the power to live counterculturally. Because, yeah, they can kill this body, but I'm going to see Jesus whether they like it or not. And here's the thing, there ain't nothing they can do about it. And the devil even knows it. Why do you think he troubles us so much? He troubles us because we let him trouble us. Because we forgot and didn't read the back of the book. That's why in a couple weeks I start a series called The Dragon in the Sea. So you know the back of the book we win. People are so busy in the, in the middle and in the, in the beginning of that book, they forget the back of the book. Everybody gets in Revelation and gets in those, those first couple chapters and it's, it's, it's good news. And then they get into the middle chapters. We get stuck there and we forget to read the back of the book. We win. The devil's bound. Chokehold. Phone in the, into, the, into, the, into the sea of eternal fire forever. We act like he's going to get to do whatever he wants. He doesn't do what he wants. He does what God lets him. third thing I want you to see is we're called to honor Christ and to share Christ with gentleness and respect. Not only are we called to give an answer for the hope in verse 15, but we're also called to do it with gentleness and respect. Peter reveals the need to make clear. Notice that Peter feels the need to make it explicitly clear that how we're supposed to respond. Peter Peter, makes sure that you know that you can't have a butt in there because your butt gets in the way. Right? But you don't know how they treated me, God. But you don't know. But you don't know. I say, oh, you don't know? You're talking to the omniscient God who knows everything, telling him he doesn't know. Think about that. But God, you don't know. He's omniscient. He knows everything all the time. He knows the beginning from the end, and you're going to tell him he doesn't know. He throws in there, and he says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense Why are you making a defense? Because someone is attacking. Satan is attacking. Others are attacking. To anyone who asks you the reason that you have. 
When somebody says, how in the world can you stand there with some kind of hope telling me that on Tuesday, election Tuesday night, Jesus is still going to be king? Well, guess what? I'm telling you, Jesus is still going to be king and there ain't nothing you can do about it or anybody else can do about it because he's still the king of glory, whether you like it or whether you don't. Because I read the back of the book. He's still king. There's the hope that I have. The hope that I have is because Satan's sin and death have been defeated by my Jesus. That's the hope that I have. I give that defense to you. It's our natural instinct to become uh, defensive and disrespectful. But it's important for us to just speak facts. Our job is not to prove God exists. I don't have any, there is no onus on me to prove God exists. There's enough evidence in creation. Watch a sunrise and a sunset. Science proves that God exists. Science itself proves that God exists. I don't feel the burden for me to prove the wind blows where it pleases. You, can't, you, can, you can hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming and where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I speak to you of spiritual things. I speak to you of earthly things. It's not my job to show that. You're going to tell me that, that, that this creature developed to look exactly like the environment that it lives in because it needed to survive? Well, why don't I have gills and wings? Right? You're going to tell me that the leopard shark looks exactly like the bottom of the exact environment that it lives in by mistake? Because it it was like, ooh, ooh, I want to look like the dirt. I want to look like the dirt. I want to look like the dirt. Really? I don't got enough faith to be an atheist. I don't. It takes a lot of faith. That's a long stretch right there. Sometimes it just comes down to asking questions, though. It just comes down to asking questions. Do you really believe that? And if so, what's the evidence? You see, I believe everybody has faith. I just think that some of us put our faith in the wrong thing. I think there's enough evidence there for all of us. But I think our wants and our desires overweigh the evidence. I think the trouble that evildoers cause us make us turn. You see, Jesus, he knew who he was and why he came. And what did the devil do? The devil comes right to Jesus at his weakest point, not at his strongest point, at his weakest point, because that's, that's what kind of a coward he is. Right? And he questions who we are. And that's what he does to each of us. If you are the Son of God, prove it. See, it's like, I've got to prove nothing to you. So if you are the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. 
You know, if, he get right away questioning, if you are, if you are, if you are, right away, if he can question your position in Christ, if you are a child of God, right? And Jesus said, yeah, but see, I know the Bible better than you. Because it also says that man doesn't live by bread alone, but lives by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. But the devil didn't stop, and he ain't going to stop with you and me either. He said, I got another idea. Ah, I can't get him to do that. I'll get him to kill himself. That's it. So he takes him to a high place in the temple. Notice he took him to a place. The devil will take you to some place, right? And he says, well, 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 if you're the son of God, again, questioning that position, then throw yourself off of here, and the angels are going to save you. Questioning the Bible again, right? Jesus said, man, ah, let me share something with you. It also says that I'm not supposed to test the Lord my God. And the devil didn't stop. He came back for one more. He said, oh, I'm going to get him with power because everybody loves power. Hey, Jesus. Okay, you've already established that part. So let's, let's get to this part. If you worship me as a God, everything that your eyes see, I can give to you. It was like walking into Jesus' garage and saying, hey, that car that belongs to you, I'll give this to you. and You can drive it anytime you want. And Jesus looked at him and Jesus said, Nah, it's written, worship only the Lord your God and serve him only. And the Bible says that Satan left him for now. And the Bible says that the angels gave attendance to Jesus. You see, when you and I honor Christ above all things, when you know who you are and why you're here, the devil won't be able to get you off path. It won't be as easy. When you're studying the word of God, why do you think we talk about men's Bible study and women's Bible study and small groups and all those things? Why do you think about, we talk about, are you listening in church? Are you studying the Bible? Are you reading the Bible? Why do you think we talk about that? Because Satan will use the word and twist it. And if you don't know the word, he'll twist it. Christians will twist it. called proof texting it's called ice of jesus means to read into the text what is not there rather than to get out of the text what is truly there some meaning and some not meaning doesn't mean it's wrong it doesn't mean it's right it means that it was not appropriate at the time it means you didn't do your homework See, what the devil doesn't know is we have the Holy Spirit of God who, in, who illuminates and opens the word to us. If we're going to live counterculturally, we've got to trust in God. So if you, if you know who Jesus is and you know why he came, then you can choose to believe in him and receive him. And when you choose to believe in him and receive him, then what happens is 
is then you find out who you are and why you're here. And then you aren't willing to sacrifice that for anything, for any candidate, any election, any political party, any race, any gender. You're not willing to sacrifice it for anything whatsoever. Not money, not power, not sex, not anything will be able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So now's the time. It's time for us to get countercultural. It's time for you to make your choice. It's time for me to make my choice. It's time for us to decide that we are going to be shrewd as serpents yet harmless as doves. It's time for us to decide that Jesus is our everything because it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. It's time for you and I to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's time for you and I to get control of our tongues. It's time for you and I to get control of our character and our attitude. And I only know one who can help us, and that's Jesus. And the only reason that I know that is because he said that I will go away and the Father will send you the Holy Spirit who won't just be with you, but he will be in you. And he'll guide you and lead you. And then what happens is you get the fruit of the Spirit. And then you get the gifts of the Spirit. And then the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we are to keep in step with the Spirit. And if we keep in step with the Spirit, we'll live counterculturally. And we don't have to be jerks about it. We can, we can, we can woo people to Jesus through our right attitudes. And through our love for all people. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love everybody. That's what God calls us to. It doesn't mean that I have to approve of your behavior to love you. I can love you and not approve of your behavior. You can love me and not approve of my behavior. And it's okay. I'll still love you. But I'm done with letting evildoers trouble me. I ain't going to let that happen no more. I'm not going to let them separate me from the love that I have in my brothers and sisters. It's going to last forever. I'm done with that. The only way I can truly be done with that, though, is because of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for this wonderful day and for the opportunity we have to be here in your presence. Holy Spirit, when you led Peter to pen those words, we know that those words still ring true today here in 2020. And God, we need you more than our next heartbeat and more than our next breath. Jesus, we want to know who we are and why we're here. And we know that's only found in you. And so right now, we choose to believe in you. We choose to believe that you're the Son of God. We choose to believe that you died on the cross for our sin. We choose to believe that you defeated Satan's sin and death at the resurrection. And we choose to believe you're preparing a place for heaven for us and that's the hope that we have so right where right where you're at right now whether you're on youtube or facebook right where you're at in this building today if you say that's my declaration that's my belief 
I'm choosing right now to become a child of God. I'm choosing right now to accept Jesus and his ways. And I know that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come in and walk with me. And I know I'm not going to get everything right. But I know that by God's grace, one day, one day I'll see him. If that's you, right where you're at, just simply say, Jesus, I receive you. Right where you're at, Jesus, I receive you. Right where you're at, Jesus, I receive you. I believe in you. Those right now that are saying that declaration in prayer, right now you're being renewed. The Bible says that right now you're being renewed. You are being adopted into God's very own family. You now belong to God. He is yours and you are his. The Bible says right now the Holy Spirit is now living in you and working through you. The Bible says now that you will be able to walk and keep in step with the Spirit. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Father, thank you for new life. Thank you for repentance. And thank you for the privilege of knowing you and serving you. Help us today, God. Help us to love you and serve you effectively. We follow your leading. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God?